Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolphins? Welcome into the Wednesday, December the 13th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, I talk with two of my favorite podcasters who just so happen to be fans of the team the Dolphins play this week, the Buffalo Bills. With the Rock Pal Report, Drew and Chris join the podcast, or I join their podcast, I should say. We discuss the upcoming game on Sunday. And on our own podcast here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, we dive back into the Dolphins' victory over the New England Patriots on Monday night and talk about the numbers from the game and talk a little bit about the film study. But before we get to any of that, I got to remind you guys, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating and review. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. You can follow the show at LockedOnFins and check out LockedOnDolphins.com for all your written Dolphins content needs. There is currently a piece up right now talking about how this win over the Patriots is a good start, but it means absolutely nothing without anything attached to it, as in the Dolphins have to do more in order for this win to mean anything at all. And lastly, don't forget to check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, including the Locked On NFL podcast and Locked On Heat podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And just so you guys are aware, the audio on this podcast is going to be a little bit different than you're used to. I'm going to use the audio from our conversation I have with the Rock Pile Report guys. I'm just going to go ahead and bring it over here. So this is going to serve as the Thursday preview edition show. We're going to do it on Wednesday, obviously, but we're going to talk about the game on Sunday for the Buffalo Bills. It's just how our schedule worked out. So we're going to make this happen. And then tomorrow's episode, the Thursday episode, will be more about the film review and talking about all that stuff. I have currently done the offensive film review. And if you check out my Twitter account, at Wingfield NFL, you can find... I would say about 30 cut-ups from the offensive film review. So that's up there live right now on at Wingfield NFL on Twitter. And then the defensive side will come out tomorrow sometime around 7 or 8 o'clock on the East Coast as well. So check out all that stuff on Twitter, LockedOnDolphins.com. All the good stuff you need for all your Dolphins need. Let's go ahead and get right into this interview here with Chris and Drew from the Rock Pal Report talking about Dolphins and Bills on Sunday. Wingfield. Honestly, I think it's more of a function of Adam Gaze and what he means to this offense. Third and ten.com. Kenny Stills does a lot for clear out routes. Locked on Dolphins podcast. Are we worried about Ryan Tannehill not being consistent? But this is Miami now. Folks, we have Travis Wingfield in the house with us tonight to discuss the Miami Dolphins. Travis, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing quite fantastic, riding the highs off that big victory on Monday night over the New England Patriots. How are you doing yourself, Drew and Chris? <laughs> I was I was doing well until I watched that football game. I actually fell asleep for a part of the third quarter when things were close, and then I woke up and saw you guys had 27 points. I was like, what the fuck happened? What? <laughs> what? what did I miss? Oh, how is this? Is this real life? Am I dreaming? Oh, folks, for those of you who don't know, new to the show, Travis Wingfield. Travis, you live on the West Coast, but you're a fan of the Miami Dolphins. You've been a longtime writer about them. You currently work for FanRag Sports, and you do the Locked on Dolphins podcast, correct? That's all correct. All right, so where can folks find your work in either one of those outlets? 
Yeah, just go to LockedOnDolphins.com for anything Dolphins-related. Uh, the same thing with the podcasts on Apple Podcasts as well. And then on Twitter, at WingfieldNFL is where all the gifs and takes and live tweeting and all that good stuff that I do game days and throughout the course of the week. So, guys, he is one of our f- – if, if we're going to talk Dolphins with anybody, we talk it with Travis because he just seems to really know what he's talking about. The one thing that I don't like about Travis is the fact that uh, – I got to ask – Travis, are, two questions. One, are you going to wear that uh, Jay Ajayi jersey of yours? <laughs> That's been shelved. That's been shelved forever. It's been shelved forever. <laughs> I was going to say, it wasn't very flattering. The second question is, are you finally lifting weights at the gym? Uh, you know, I get those little five-pound weights that the old ladies use. I've been using those a little bit just to get my pump on a little bit because I know you guys have been asking <laughs> for it. Guys, I've been busting Travis's chops for forever. Travis is a very fit dude. He plays shortstop in softball. But I, I, I make fun of him because I say he has the physique of a uh, women's volleyball player. <laughs> so, Travis, now that we've got you on the show for the first time this season, I've got a few questions. And I guess it's the season review Q&A. And I guess I wrote these questions before you guys dominated the Patriots. So forgive me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, the Dolphins, they came into the season with plans of building off last season's playoff berth. But that kind of failed to materialize over the early part of the season. Now, obviously, there's a lot of factors that go into that. I just want to ask about a few. First and foremost, of all of the injuries besides the one to Tannehill, which of your team's ailments do you think has impacted your performance the most? I'd probably say the rookie that got hurt on the very first punt of the very first drive of the very first preseason game back in August, Raekwon McMillan. He was supposed to kind of come in and stabilize the defense from a run defense perspective, or from a run defense standpoint, I should say. And they played very well in the beginning of the season, but then they kind of they lose him. Lawrence Timmons has a little bit of a you know early season adventure in Los Angeles down there, and then they're <laughs> trying they're trying to fill uh, Ray Maluga's role, who had a couple of good games as a run stuffer, but. McMillan was supposed to be this two-down run stopper, and I think he ha- he's doing a little bit more than that in terms of a guy that can cover and do things at linebacker spot. And that's been a big weakness for the Dolphins this year and in many years before this is linebacker. And Kiko Alonso, as you guys know, is not that good of a football player. And I think that McMillan probably would have eaten into his snaps as the, as the season went on here uh, if he was healthy. But So losing him was a big one, and obviously you mentioned Tannehill. I won't go into that because you guys know how I feel about that one. Uh, Travis, uh, where can I find some cocaine? <laughs> Uh, not in the Dolphins facility anymore. You used to be able to. You used to be able to. I love the fact, you know what? I love the fact that that happened in a franchise that's not Buffalo because we really couldn't sustain any more <laughs> nonsense. We literally had no more room for nonsense. <laughs> so to hear that it happened in Miami, I'm like, this is something straight out of Miami Vice. Crockett and Tubbs should have been there to lock that guy up. Now, much like the Patriots trade of Jimmy Garoppolo, the Dolphins made headlines by trading away standout running back Jay to the Eagles for a fourth-round draft pick. I want to know, what was your personal reaction to that? I was upset at first because, obviously, coming into the year, he has these basically three games where he runs for 200 yards, two against you guys, that he basically won <laughs> on most mostly his own accord. I mean, I thought Tannehill played well in the first Buffalo game and also the Pittsburgh game, but then, obviously, the game with Matt Moore late in the year, he helped win that game. 
but I think they really rode that running that running style and it just the way he kind of ran through tacklers and kind of invigorated the offense was fun to watch. So I was upset because I lost one of my favorite players, but then the reports start coming out about his attitude, what kind of guy he is, and even I talked about this with you guys before the show how I had an interview with Joe Shad and he talked about how Jay Ajayi was just not a very nice guy and you know telling the coach to go f himself and all this stuff that just equals adds up to a guy that just doesn't belong there. And now you see Kenyon Drake emerging as the player that he's become the last couple of weeks. And there's much more ingenuity in the offense. There's a lot more creativity with the schemes and the formations and the running sets. And there's, there's a a whole bunch more creativity in the running game. Uh, So I've come around to thinking that this trade was really a win for both teams because the Dolphins are getting more production and the Eagles got themselves a good player too. So I'm, I'm okay now, but at first not thrilled. Now, you're not telling me anything I don't know. I've watched Kenyon Drake's entire career. At Alabama, he was one of the most electric running backs, and he was the he was the greatest change of pace back. Him and TJ Yeldon in the backfield were two very different backs, but they put defenses on their toes. They were incredible together. And so to see him replicating that in the NFL is just kind of a I don't know. In my mind, it boosts what Alabama does with their running backs. It's like, I know. Look, look at Trent Richardson. <laughs> look at Mark Ingram. Look at well, I shouldn't say look at Eddie Lacy. I mean, he's <laughs> he's fat. He, he's literally eating his way out of the NFL. <laughs> there, he was a productive back, and I was jealous when you guys got him, and even more so now that you're actually utilizing him to the fullest of his potential. So moving on, the team has been, for the Dolphins, extremely inconsistent this season. One week, you win. You know, you you come back in monstrous fashion against the Jets. And the next week, you get shut out and look like a rowboat with one oar. (laughs) Fans fell in love with Adam Gase last season for turning around the focus and mentality of the players, quote-unquote. So I got to ask. Leading up to Monday night, what was the feeling on him? And now what is it after the fact? The feeling for myself and the fan base could not be more different, I think. I think there was a lot of fans. I mean, you go off Twitter. That's not a really good example. But that's where I get a lot of my fan reactions from. So that's what I'm going off of here. And Twitter, people were kind of, there was a lot of folks saying like, oh, he's a one and done. He's a one-year wonder. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's all these these mistakes. And he has had some mistakes this year. I think he's, you know, eating a bit of humble pie in the sense of that he's not this all-knowing genius that is just impervious to failure. But... I think before the game, you were worried about some of his commitment to guys that he's had in the past that just aren't that good at football players. You mentioned Jermon Bushra off the top in the injury report. He's a bad football player, especially at guard. He's been bad for the two years he's been in Miami, but he's been hurt, and now we're getting great production out of the right guard. So he it takes an injury for him to pull out of a guy that he prefers. You have the same situation with Julius Thomas at tight end. Ted Larson, the left guard, is a dumpster fire. He, he, he might as well be a turnstile out there. So he has this, like this tie to these players that are part of his past. I think that's one of his biggest weaknesses, but at the end of the day, he's one of the, the most, you know, creative offensive minds in the game. That's why the Dolphins hired him. He's got a great personality, a great attitude, a great head coach's mentality. And I couldn't be more thrilled that he's a Dolphins coach because you watch that game on Monday against the Patriots. And that looked like Andy Reid week one against the Patriots with all the jet sweep motions, excuse me, the bootleg rollouts and just kind of the variance within the matchups and finding mismatches on the, on the defensive side of the football and attacking them. No, and that's and that's a great thing to point out is the fact that your team has still maintained this. Listen, things have gone wrong, but we're trying to figure it out. 
Now, when you're four and two as a football team and you fall to where you've fallen, things have gone wrong somewhere. I mean, think about the losing streak you guys had. And then you have this game where you just unleash hell on the New England Patriots. If you had to pick two factors that you think contributed to that slide over the last month or so, what do you think they'd be? I would say the quarterback play was always number one. I mean, you guys know how I feel about Tannehill v. Cutler. It's not even close, in my opinion. And Cutler had a hell of a game on Monday. And, you know, the more I looked at it, the more I broke down the offensive scheme. There was really a lot of wide-open players just that were open because of the scheme more than just the talent of the quarterback. And he made himself he made his fair share of plays himself, too. But you can play within the scheme, and you can still have a good night. I think that's what happened on Monday. But over that course of those games, Matt Moore played terribly in his two starts against the Patriots and Ravens. Jay Cutler had a game against the Buccaneers where he had three picks in the first almost the first quarter, and he was just like trying to throw balls to the red jerseys at that point. And that's a game that the Dolphins would have won if they had... I don't know, Chris Kruger playing quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> so, I got a hell of an arm, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. When, it comes to, when it comes to trying to preview the Bills versus Dolphins matchup, there's a couple different facets of the team. We're going to start on the offensive side of the ball. And it starts with your passing attack. We saw it on full display on Monday Night Football. I mean, a lot of the early season, season optimism was that you guys had so many weapons that who else could contend with you? I mean, a, a dominating downhill runner, a pass catcher out of the backfield in Kenyon Drake, three wide receivers that could one that could in Kenny Stills that could stretch the field, Jarvis Landry who can who is probably the best slot receiver in the AFC, and Parker who is finding his way but is a sizable boundary receiver. You guys had weapons on weapons. And it didn't pan out that way over the early course of the season. Yet now they're starting to find their roles and there's still a lot of talent there. So I guess if the Bills were looking to contain your passing attack, which of those receiving options do you think they need to prioritize in coverage? I think Kenny Stills has to be the first one just because of his big playability. And you talked about Devontae Parker, and I could not be more sour on Devontae Parker right now. He can't separate at all. He can't beat one-on-one coverage. The, the Patriots rolled a lot of coverage to Stills and Landry in that game, and Parker had a lot of chances in one-on-one, and he could not get off coverage whatsoever to save his life. So I think that he's trending more towards bust than anything other than that at this point of his career. But I would say you start with Kenny Stills in those deep shots and you try to bracket him as best you can because he's kind of one of those sneaky route runners. I know that's funny to say for a guy that's as fast as he is, but he can get open like in a sneaky way where he kind of lulls defenders to sleep and then gets behind them, beyond them. And obviously Jarvis Landry, you know, you guys know what he can do with a ball in his hands. And if you, if you don't, you know, if you, the best way to keep Landry from making any noise is by having him catch the ball behind the line of scrimmage to where when he breaks those tackles and only goes for a yard or two because if he gets the ball down the field, he can make a guy miss and all of a sudden he's off to the races for a 15, you know, 25, 35, 40-yard gain, whatever it is. So those are the two guys you start with. And obviously the passing game with Kenyon Drake, I don't know if you guys watched the game on Monday in its entirety, but he shredded the Patriots in the passing game and he even ran a vertical route on the perimeter for like a 40-yard gain. So, I mean, Kenyon Drake is probably the number one guy you got to stop in the, in the offense and then I would say Kenny Stills and Jarvis Landry. Well, yes, that- well, I know that all too well because I <laughs> tweeted you yesterday I lost my fantasy matchup because of Kenyon Drake. Thank you. <laughs> now, Travis, uh, Travis, you owe me $700. You owe me $700. I told you to expect this. I mean, at least you knew it was coming. He warned you. He warned you that you were going to rue the day that you went up against Kenyon Drake. And guess what? Alabama. Rule time! <laughs> I'll take that one. I'll get behind that. So now, I guess... 
The last, I, when it comes to passing formations, what does it Dolphins seem to do well in the passing game? Because some games they struggle to get anything going. Some games it's like they have everything working for them. When they're working at their best, what formations are they doing it out of, and what can the Bills look forward to seeing a healthy dose of come Sunday? I think Sean McDermott has his work cut out for him in terms of what he's going to be able to prepare for because, like I said, on Monday, it was like it was a brand-new offense, it seemed like. There was a variations of different like jet sweeps. I, I went over the whole list. You guys heard it. But they just had – they rolled out this whole new scheme. They brought a lot more Jakeem Grant into the game, and he actually caught an awesome touchdown pass, and he almost caught a second down the field but just had to go off his fingertips. But they, they showed a lot of different looks in terms of – getting the defense moving horizontally before the snap to kind of keep them off balance. And that's what the speed with Drake and and Grant has done for the Dolphins. But for the most part, it's always a three-by-one set where you have Julius Thomas on the, uh, I guess, I don't know if you call it the weak side, strong side, but he's the he's the Y ISO isolated to one side of the formation with three three receivers, mm-hmm. Stills, Parker, and Landry to the other side out of the trips there. And they'll bunch them, they'll motion them, they'll shift them, they'll do all kinds of different things. So typically they're going to load up one side of the field with the receivers and then go the tight end on the back side of the field. That's see, that's dirty. That's dirty play calling. I love it. I love it. I can't wait to see how our defense responds. Now in the rushing in the rushing game, Kenyon Drake is the story of your guys' season. You know, you trade away Jay Ajay and everyone thinks, oh God, our, we'll never run the ball again. Well, guess what? Another Alabama running back in the backfield. He does what Alabama running backs do, which is run the damn ball. Run the damn ball. Now, is he better between the tackles, off tackle? I mean, is, he strikes me as a guy who's better out in space, almost like a LaShawn McCoy type. If he can, if he can find space, he'll he'll take it. That's where he's the most productive. Am I wrong in that assumption? Uh, yes and no. I, I think that one of the reasons they, they got rid of Ajayi was because his reluctance to run anything besides outside zone. And I think this offensive line's more suited for inside zone where you kind of press the hole inside. And that's where a lot of his big runs have come from. That spin move he put on, I don't know who it was. He put on a spin move on someone last night for a, just a ridiculous long game that set up a touchdown run. And he, he always gets a, does a good job of, of condensing the box by pressing the hole inside and then kicking it outside. So Yes, in the sense that his big runs do come where he bounces outside like that, but no, from the sense that he is a, a pretty physical guy that can bounce it in or that can, you know, smash it in there and c- create those holes in the outside lanes. Now, there's one question I got to ask about your offense before we switch gears turnover disparity. I mean, that's one of the most curious things I've seen when I look over the stats for Miami. You guys still have a sizable disparity, even though you guys got two turnovers last night. You're still negative eight over, <laughs> over the course of the season. And while your defense has been active in the, these recent games, you're still a minus uh, a minus two over the last couple. I guess I gotta ask, what is it that's causing these turnovers on offense? Like what because this is a defense for the Buffalo Bills that feasts on turnovers. Like that's what feeds us. We almost had a couple if the defenders could have seen the ball. They got their fingers on them. They got their hands on them. But it's snowy. We couldn't bring them in. What do you guys think you're going to do differently that you won't turn the ball over? And I guess I got to ask, what is it that caused it early on in the season? Yeah, just real quick on your guys' defense. Trey White was one of my favorite players in the draft, and Micah High was one of my favorite players in free agency. So I'm jealous you guys got both of them, and they're just ball hawks and studs out there. 
But um, the you know that that game on Monday was the first time all year the Dolphins didn't have a turnover on offense. So that's <laughs> that's a pretty I good. I mean, like I said earlier, it starts at the quarterback. You know, Jay Cutler, he's always made curious decisions, and it's been the case this year too. And it just it seems like the worse the offense gets, the more he gets into these funks where he makes poor decisions. Don't mind the baby in the background, by the way. <laughs> uh, but and then and then I would say Devonte Parker. He, uh, you know, you guys talked about him kind of having this season where he's supposed to emerge, and it just hasn't been the case. And there was a stretch before the Monday night game. I don't know what hit the numbers were on Monday night. Obviously, we didn't turn the ball over at all. But he had five of his previous seven targets were picked off, and two of those were right off of his hands. And he had a couple more drops in that game last night. So I would say Jay Cutler and Devonte Parker are the biggest culprits at this point. And then Kenyon Drake is for as good as he's been. His ball security could be a lot better. Well then, man. Now on the flip side of the ball, your run defense. Last season, the Dolphins were in rough shape by the end of the season at linebacker, and it led to them, you guys just hemorrhaged yards on the ground, even during some of the games that you won. Now having said that, this season there was talk of fixing that with the draft capital and free agent dollars that you spent to the position, but over the last six games, not counting Monday Night Football, you're averaging 150 yards allowed on the ground, and you've given up four rushing touchdowns. I mean, considering we don't know who our quarterback's going to be, we know there's going to be a ton of running come Sunday. The Bills run well off left tackle, to the outside and up the middle. I mean, what have... I guess I want to ask about your defense. What is it that has been plaguing the run defense up until Monday Night Football that has allowed these statistics to kind of, I don't know, kind of just exist? I think there's a variety of things. That's obviously going to be the case anytime you get that many yards. But it started with the Carolina game you mentioned. Well, at least, okay, it started in the Baltimore game, really, because the Ravens did a great job of capitalizing on Dominic and Sue's aggressiveness and his ability to slant in real quick. And they were just kind of like letting him take himself out of the play by doing that and then pulling those guards or centers and getting outside the tackle box there and taking advantage of the Dolphins' weaknesses at defensive end because Andre Branch, Cam Wake, these guys are not great run defenders. The Dolphins lost William Hayes a few weeks back for the entire season. He's a fantastic run defender and he's been absent and his his presence has been missed for sure Devon Godshaw came back last night in that game and he had played really well in that game the rookie fifth round pick from LSU but he his absence was felt and then Jordan Phillips you've talked about the Dolphins consistency issues my god that guy is either an all like hall of fame type of player one week and then next week he's like not even rosterable so his inconsistency can contribute to that. And then also safety, TJ McDonald, you know, he came back and was a little bit rusty off the start in his first couple of games. But since then, he has been on fire, and he's been fantastic playing kind of that Rashad Jones role. And Rashad Jones has kind of slid back into more of a, a true free safety role. So it's been fun to watch that uh, evolution of those safeties back there. So if the Bills were looking to exploit some crack in your defense in the rushing attack, where should they go? I think the best way to do it, and if you guys have Tyrod Taylor, that, the Dolphins aren't going to beat Tyrod Taylor. That's He always runs all over us and throws all over us. So that's how, how I feel about his status. And if he plays, I'm worried. If he doesn't play, I'm going to be pretty excited about the game. But those kind of zone read where you, or outside zone plays where you can attack the defensive ends and make them make a decision because the Dolphins don't really love to set the edge out there. Cam Wake and Andre Branch want to get upfield and rush the quarterback. They don't like to play the run. So attacking those defensive ends on either side of the formation with that speed of McCoy and Tyrod Taylor would be lethal fantastic and then i gotta note that if we're talking about the dolphins defense your pass rush is on fire the last couple games 
You guys have eight sacks in two games. That's pretty. It's it's pretty notable. Pretty Considering good. you played the Broncos, yeah, you played the Broncos, but you also played the Patriots. What I'll say is, is where is your pass rush coming from? And what are the things that we really need to look for as Bills fans when it comes to going into this game and kind of worrying about our offensive line? I don't know if I can predict it for you guys because at the start of the year, you were getting a lot of one-on-one wins between Cam Wake and Dominic and Sue. You know, Charles Harris has done a good job getting pressures. They just haven't resulted in sacks yet. But they were doing a good job just winning one-on-ones. But in the game last night against the Patriots, you know, we all know that Tom Brady struggles with pressure right up his face. So the Dolphins did a great job of disguising a bunch of A-gap blitzes, whether it was cross-dog blitzes or showing a guy and backing out and having the defensive ends drop out and sending the pressure up the middle. So a lot of different looks from Matt Burke's defense. It was nice to see the defensive coordinator kind of have more of a change-up in his game plan this week opposed to just kind of, you know, going by the same old motion and running these zone coverages rather than the press man they played. So I think pressing press man on the outside has been the change the last two weeks. They've played a lot of bump and run up in that uh, against the Patriots as well as the Broncos. In the past, it was soft zone. So that's kind of helped the pass rush have a little more time to get home. So I'd say the cornerback play and more creative blitzes. Really? Wow. All right. Well, guys, we've come to the prediction portion of the podcast. Now, I'm going to start with you, our guest, Travis. What do you? What is your prediction for the final score on Sunday? I gotta ask you first. Do you got? I mean, this we're doing this on Tuesday night, so I know the injury reports aren't really, uh, you know, up no, to date. There's no report out. So I mean, it, like I said, it comes down to Tyrod Taylor, if you ask me. And if if he's if he plays and he, and it's not a hundred percent healthy, where he can't move around, I think Miami wins by seven or ten. If he is healthy and plays, I would say it's the complete opposite. So I would say like a twenty-seven seventeen game, based on a healthy Tyrod Taylor or not, depends on who wins. Wow. See, now, I personally said that I preferred the way Nathan Peterman played last week because he he threw the ball accurately. He didn't get flustered in the pocket. He hung in when things were tough. I don't know. I think that the Bills – Chris, what's your prediction? Give it to me. Okay, my, well, my prediction is – I see your face. My per, well, I, I <laughs> give, well, I talked about it earlier. My per, Nathan Peterman's not playing. He's got a concussion. He's not playing. I put a Seagram's on that, and you said no to that. Uh, and it comes down to either Tyrod or Joe Webb. I honestly think it's going to be Joe Webb that plays. So I it's, I think Miami will win the game and put her. Put what's your prediction for the score? Uh, I'm, I'm going to say I, I'd say 13 to 10 Miami. And I, 13 I, to 10? Yeah. I think uh, you don't know what the weather is going to do. I it's love December. how. Oh, can I point out that he said Joe Webb is terrible, but then he calls it thirteen to ten. Yeah, he's going to get us one touchdown by turning around and handing it to Shady. Okay, but yet somehow the Dolphins aren't going to score more than thirteen. No. With, if it's a, a bad if with it's a quarterback a... who can't throw the ball and complete first downs and depletes <laughs> his defense and wears one. Chris, this is why I do what I do and you do what you do. I love you. I love you, brother. All right. Okay. So that- My prediction, quarterback by quarterback. If Joe Webb plays, I'm literally not staying past halftime <laughs> because I'm so hoping to watch the Patriots play the Steelers because that's real football. Yeah, I hear you. Real meaningful football. <laughs> if Nathan Peterman starts, I honestly believe that they have an ability to hang with you guys. 
If Tyrod Taylor, this is what, and to your point, if Tyrod Taylor is healthy, now this is what I said earlier in the podcast, when he's healthy, he's great. And when he has that lateral and, you know, he, when he has, a, he has his agility about him, he has the ability to make big plays. If that's gone, then I don't want him out there on the field because that is his asset. His arm isn't anything to brag about. He's not accurate. You know, in this short, intermediate passing game, he's not the most accurate quarterback. I couldn't agree more with you. So, if if he's compromised in any way, shape, or form, if they really don't think that Tyrod can go out there and run around, then I'd like to see Peterman. And I still like our chances with Peterman under center. I like it by a field goal. I'll call it, I don't know. Because mm, I, I feel like your run defense is suspect given the last couple of games you've had. I'm going to call it a 27-24 win so, for the uh, Buffalo Bills. We set that as, as Seagram's sure. over under over under 26. Sure. There we go. Travis, you heard right. it. Heard it, it here first. That's the Seagram's bet. Right. You have the over and I have the under 26. Yep. Over 26. All right, Travis, where are you on social media and I'd like you to plug anything that you're doing <laughs> after the season. After the season, because if any of our Bills fans are like me and desperately want that quarterback, I know you have plans in the off season for draft prep. Draft prep on the quarterback. So, uh, where are you on social media, and what are you doing with the quarterback position uh, come draft time? Yeah, one hundred percent, man. It's at Wingfield NFL on Twitter. It's uh, you know. Like I said, takes and just a bunch of good stuff throughout the course of the week. And then uh, Locked On Dolphins for Dolphins content. And then I will reboot 3rd10.com that you guys heard in the intro. That'll come up this offseason when I have a little more time to do that with uh, you know my time off from work and everything. So I check that out for all the college stuff and I'll, I'll get into the quarterbacks. And I love looking at you know Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Josh Rose, and all, you, know, you, know, you don't got to hear their names. Um, so I'll go into those guys in detail. And then, yeah, just Locked On Dolphins and uh, at Winkle NFL. Fantastic! Thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. I'm gonna plug the show on mine here on my side, and then we'll uh, we'll tweet it out and uh, get get some views. All right, and back here with just Travis Wingfield on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. That was my interview with Chris and Drew of the Rock Pile Report. Those guys are awesome. Follow them on Twitter at Rock Pile Report. A very good podcast on the Buffalo Bills, and just some good tweets from them as well too. So, and go ahead and be free, uh, feel free to talk some crap to them on Twitter. They like that quite a bit as well. So I'm gonna go ahead and scratch the stat review from the game on Monday. We'll get to that tomorrow's episode. We'll talk about the film review from offense and defense, the stats. We'll kind of do a deep deep, deep dive into the game from Monday because this one ran a little bit long. I don't really have time to continue to go on here on the show. So this is Locked On Dolphins podcast. And before I get out of here, I got to remind you guys, check out draft.com. Fantasy football fans, listen up. It is not too late to join the 500,000 people that have already downloaded Draft this season. You get to play in real live snake draft, but you're done in under five minutes and it lasts for just one week. You can join right now for week 15 and the best part is you play for cold hard cash all new players get a free entry into real money draft when you make your first deposit but you have to use the promo code l-o-n-f-l that's right play a real money game for free just by using the promo code l-o-n-f-l for locked on nfl just search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and come play for free right now with promo code l-o-n-f-l and that will do it for today's podcast on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating and review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And follow Locked On NFL on Twitter at Locked On NFL. 
as well as the Lockdown NFL Facebook page. And follow Chris and Drew on Twitter at RockPileReport. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.